We hope you're enjoying the Mutual Audio Network. Stick around, there's much more to come. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. It is the year 2015, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives to broadcast from a South Seas barge crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of alchemy. alchemy chatter and lore i'm andy i'm andrew i'm tom and i'm ryan and we are the creators of rude alchemy chatter and lore is that special place where we talk about rude alchemy who we are why we're doing it and also to tell some stories that will expand the ridiculous universe we are creating if this is the first episode of rude alchemy you're listening to thank you welcome we're glad to have you but since this is an opportunity to enhance and expand the world of the series you might have a better time if you first listen to episodes from our current season it's called bruff tax wind sky sailor and the first four episodes are available right now on this very feed in this episode mm-hmm. of Chatter and Lore, we have a very special bruff story from Andrew, as well as a weird Boom. Yeah, as well as another segment of Weird History. This is gonna be called Ooh. Weird History Tom's Revenge. That's the subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> because he will be the host for Weird History. Oh, because he right. was such a good sport last time he gets promoted. I think to Andy host. just wanted to I think <laughs> Andy just wanted to take me out of the competition aspect of it. yeah exactly um but first don't forget about the first ever rude alchemy podcast fan cover art contest folks you still have a few days we have had um how many submissions have we had uh uh ryan Uh, well we need some fans first Um, (laughs) that's (laughs) <laughs> we haven't had a ton of submissions um and 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 my grandmother said she'd do it but um <laughs> but that was me just kind of like making her mouth move you know because she's in a catatonic oh, state <laughs> <laughs> no no my grandmother's dead i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> 
But anyway, if you are not dead and you do want to do this, uh, just make make some beautiful art. It should be bruff themed, uh, 1400 by 1400 pixels, but really whatever at this point. Uh, post it on Facebook or Twitter <laughs> with the hashtag bruff art. That's B-R-U-F-F. A-R-T, and as Andrew had mentioned before, you can think of it as uh, bruff with two Fs and the word art, or bruff with one F and the word fart, and then you'll be in the running. So do that before May 29th, and Tom, tell them what they'll win. Um, well, pride, first of all, um, but I believe they'll also get uh, the cover art will be on the uh, thumbnail for the uh, last episode. <laughs> Tom doesn't know what the prize is. He doesn't know what the, he doesn't know what it is. He doesn't know what the prize is. Right, but oh, the cover okay. art, yeah, the, the cover art. art, sure. But yeah, Tom yeah, had to go back. Exactly. Tom had to go and listen to the first episode of Chatter and Morph. <laughs> yeah, so I'm very, I'm, I'm very excited about the trivia yeah. part. I'm going over my notes here. You can't just spring unexpected <laughs> questions like that. Listen, anybody who's listening, please submit anything. We don't care if you're a graphic designer. You know, take a picture of like something you drew in your with your spaghettios, like you spelled out something. You know, anything. Um, okay, I think we should move along straight to weird history. Um, Ooh, Thomas. Please take it away. Okay. Oh, you know, I should tell you the rules real quick, unless you want to tell us the rules, Tom. All right, so here are the rules. Very briefly, it's I'm going to give you each, well, all at the same time. <laughs> I'm going, this is going really well. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say two statements. What? I'm going to say two statements. One oh, of them okay. will be true. One of them will be false. And you each have to tell me which one is which. Best out of, what, five wins. If we get it right, we get a, a one point. If we get it wrong, we lose a point, right? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, sure. Okay. <clears throat> are, you, right. are you going to keep track of that, Tom? Or do you I'm going to keep track of it. Uh, I just want to – fair warning, though. Fair warning here. These are very, very difficult. <laughs> I was I was hoping. Did you develop these questions? Tom? I did, and I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not gonna listen to any arguing because every word is specific. Okay. <laughs> really excited. Here we go. <clears throat> In 1939, James Carver discovered King Tut's tomb, perhaps the most famous artifact to be found beside King Tut himself was an ancient stash of honey. As honey does not spoil, it was tasted by every member of the expedition, all of whom remarked that it was in fact edible, though not very good. That's the first statement. Oh, wow. Here comes the second. Sir Francis Bacon died of pneumonia, which he caught while experimenting with freezing a chicken by stuffing it with snow. <laughs> which one of those is true, and which one of those is false? I will pick. Okay. Who's guessing first? first? Oh, uh, Waylon, let's go with you first. Which one is true? I'm going to go with honey is true. Okay. 
Wertner, which one is true? Sir Francis Bacon is true. Kane, which one is true? Uh, bacon, bacon chicken. Damn it. Damn it. Andrew's always right. <laughs> <laughs> Whalen, you are in fact wrong. Sir Francis Bacon uh, did die of pneumonia wait, while freezing. Can I tell chicken. why? Can I tell why? It's, can I tell why? Please. Can I tell? Oh. Uh, the first one is true. The 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 King Tut one because it wasn't James Carver. It was Howard Carter. That is correct, Andy. Ding, ding, ding. And it also wasn't 1939. It was 1922. And although archaeologists have found honey in tombs of ancient pharaohs, King Tut was not one of them. Oh, so every a lot of it was false. Okay, <laughs> got it. A lot of it was false, yes. All right, cool. All right, here we go. Second round. In 1779, Revolutionary War veteran Margaret Corbin became the first woman to be awarded a disability pension by the United States Congress. Or mercury is one of only three metals that are liquid at room temperature. Okay, so that's Let's not start history, with, but uh, sure. Sure it is. Revolutionary War <laughs> and uh, mercury and being science, you know, mercury. when it was discovered. Don't be a dick, okay? Don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Can you actually read the mercury first. one again? Mercury is one of only three metals that are liquid at room temperature. Andy, which one is true? <laughs> uh, one of only three. Well, I guess I just plain don't know. I'm going to say the science question is true. The science, not history one is true. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't call the segment weird science, though. I think that's trademarked. Kane, which I got these all. Which is true. I got these all off of a history website, by the way. Kane, which uh, one is true? Uh, don't 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 tell the people that. Um, the the uh, science one is true. <laughs> Whalen, which one is true? Go on, I'm going with the Revolutionary War. We're all tied up. The Revolutionary War one was uh, true. Mercury is, in fact, mercury is the, the only. only metal that is liquid at room temperature. Mm, you knew that, huh, Ryan? I did know that one. Mm. Here we go. Ready? We're all tied up here at zero. Oh, so good. Abraham Lincoln is the only U.S. president ever granted a patent. Or Des Moines, Iowa, is the only city in the continental U.S. that has a drive-through post office. <laughs> Whalen, wow. let's start with you. Uh, man, uh, Des Moines. I'm going with Des Moines. Just don't ever remember anything about Lincoln. Kane, which one is true? I'll also go with I'll go with Des Moines, Iowa drive-through post office. And Wertner, which one is true? Me too, Des Moines. Oh wow, this is a rare occurrence where you're all wrong. 
Mm. Oh, no. Abraham Lincoln, one. Abraham Lincoln has a patent for a hydraulic device for lifting ships over sh- shoals. <laughs> that sounds very steampunk I, I, of him. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to do some further research on Please that. Please do. Oh, also... <laughs> <laughs> he was born in Kentucky and lived in. Well, all right. Uh, there is a drive-through post office, but it's in Chicago, not ah, Des Moines. Ah, uh, good, good, good. Here we go. Uh, you're all tied at negative one. <laughs> 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 Though unverifiable, it is widely believed by World War II historians that Hitler's last words were. Ich bauer sehr, aber nicht mein Ind. Translated into English, that's, I regret much, but not my end. Or, <laughs> the phrase, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, la Allah, il Allah, la Allah, il Allah, um Muhammad Rasul Allah, is heard by more people than any other sound of the human voice. Which one is true, <laughs> Mr. Kane? <laughs> uh, oh, I love this one. Um, huh. Any other sound? Sound is such a such an interesting choice for the phrasing of that question. Um, so I'm going to say um, Hitler. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Hitler, too. I will call on... <laughs> Oh. Werner, what were you going to say? I was going to say, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks for bailing me out. That would have been embarrassing if it wasn't actually my turn. Um, yeah, I'm going to say Hitler, too, because, you know, probably you just hear, like, white noise, which is a Mr. Whalen. <laughs> which one is true? He was locked in a room. He was... he was Though unverifiable. I mean, yeah. Oh, and what was it? Allah, Allah, Akbar? Allah, Allah, no, Allah, Allah Akbar, Allah, Akbar, la Allah, il Allah, la Allah, il Allah, Muhammad Rasul Allah. Is the sound uh, most is heard, is heard by more people than any other sound of the human voice. Uh, You're going to have to make a choice. Uh, Hitler. I'm, at least I'll keep it even. I don't want to be. That's right. <laughs> this, is, this is astonishing. You once again are all wrong. Negative two. Please explain that. I will Tom. argue with the, I will argue with the phrasing of your question about the, the being the most heard sound oh, of the human shit. race. I think that that's every word. Oh, that that's every uh, word shit. was chosen specifically, and hit, Hitler's sad. last words were in fact for the coming man. He was directing his uh, military advisors <laughs> to protect against something, and they asked him what, and he said for the coming man. Um, you're, you're all at negative two here. Okay, can you explain that second one though? I, yeah, just, what's the deal with one? that? What do you mean? Sound? The most heard sound? Yes. Out of all the, no, the it's not like of it's, the it's human like voice. A, it's not like a burp or a it's not like a burp or like yawning or like a, a crying. I mean, those are all sounds, right? right? But they're not heard. Well, you said were you said words? No, I didn't. I heard. I said so it's heard by more people than any other sound of the human voice. How could how oh, could one the, know that of the human voice? Well, I suppose studies have been done, Mr. Kane. I suppose studies have been human, done. Of the human, I'm going to question your source. I'm just going to question your source. <clears throat> all right. What are we all, negative two? You're all at negative two. Negative this two. is great. Anybody's game. We're having a good time here. 
We're running, we're running out of questions. Here we go. You're doing a great job, Tom. The Beatles held the top five spots on the April 4th, 1964 Billboard Singles Chart. To date, they're the only band that has ever accomplished that. Or, Illinois is the only state to have a non-rectangular flag, as theirs is a swallowtail. Mr. Whalen, let's start with you. Um, I'm going to go with not the Illinois one. What was the first one? I forgot the Beatles. Already. The Beatles. Well, I don't know. The 64, does that sound right? Weren't they? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Beatles. Is as true. True. Beatles is true. Mr. Werner. Mm, I'm going to go uh, Illinois flag is true. And Mr. Kane. Uh, Beatles. Kane and Whalen are tied for negative one. Yeah, baby. Yeah. I'm out so of we ha- running, I would say. Yeah, we'll have to have a tiebreaker here. We're, we're, keep your mouth shut on this one. No, no problem, Tom. <laughs> no problem, buddy. Here we go, gentlemen. The only crime defined in the U.S. Constitution is treason. Or, though perfected by and now considered to be a strictly Asian custom, acupuncture was, in fact, first used as a medical treatment in the Roman Empire. Hmm. Whalen, which one is true? Oh, didn't I go first last time? Yeah. <laughs> Asian slash Roman, or what was the other one? Um, the only crime defined in the U.S. Constitution is treason. Oh man, treason! Nailing a little. No, that's that's constant. He's running over the whole Constitution in his head right now. <laughs> 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 um, I'm going to say. Seems like I mean acupuncture. I could see the. You're gonna have to pick one. You're gonna have to pick one. With the, the, <laughs> silk, the silk trail and stuff like all. If that you don't pick one in three the... seconds, you automatically get it wrong. <clears throat> all right, I'm gonna go with uh, oh, Constitution, I guess. Okay, Kane. Uh, Constitution. Werner. Acupuncture. He's gonna tie it up. He's gonna tie it up. Werner's at negative four. (laughs) (laughs) The only crime listed in the Constitution is, in fact, treason. uh, Whalen and Kane are tied at zero. This is this is the last one I have. Okay, this is is the last one I have. Gabriel and Michael are the only angels named in the Bible, or Canada banned all national beauty contests in 1992, claiming they were degrading to women. Uh, Let's go with Kane this time. Last one. Uh, Canada. Is true. Canada's true. And Whalen? I mean, I was going to go with Canada. Okay, does that mean you are going with Canada, or you were going to go with Canada? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm saying, do we have a tiebreaker procedure? Or, no, th- th- this uh, is it. Uh, We're in the tiebreaker procedure right now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm saying. So you have to answer. It's very difficult. All right, then. All right. Um, Andrew says Canada. 
And then, what was the other one? Gabriel and Michael. Oh, 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 Book of Enoch. Let me just... <laughs> yeah, go, go through that in your head now real quick. Uh, uh, well, that's in the... All right, um... This seems like a Canadian thing to do, but they they love their women too. Okay, you're going to have to give an answer now. Um... <laughs> Aren't you basically from uh, Canada? I'm close. I'm close. Okay, uh, let's go with... Uh, I don't know. I don't care. I'll give it to Andrew. I'll, I'll go with the Bible. <laughs> You're going with the Bible being true. By the, that, that is true. Michael and... and uh, Werner, you have absolutely no possibility of winning this, but just for shits and giggles, would you like to give a guess? Uh, No. ladies and gentlemen our new champion mr andrew kane Uh, the only one that complained the hardest (laughs) listen i know the only thing i'm complaining about is the semantics of that question sure i will i would be happy to uh uh, send it to you in a link there was no that there was no explanation well i suppose statistically speaking um the way the way it was uh presented to me was that statistically speaking, the amount of people that hear that on a given day, uh, it, it just, there, there's no possibility that, that the human voice doesn't make any other sound as frequently as that sound is made and is heard by as many people on a daily basis as that sound is heard. So like another sound, like sneezing, like we all sneeze, all human beings sneeze, but no, there, there, there's not a group of people in the world that are sneezing as consistently at the same time and around <laughs> as many people to hear it as that prayer is for Muslims in the world. Nor is a uh, sneeze made with your voice. Uh, well, I suppose it, that's... That's a human voice. Som- human voice. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can vocalize Yeah, sneeze, yeah, I, I would say... Uh, yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because I won. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, Andrew. Congratulations. Now that we've covered chatter, it's time for lore. This episode, we have one story to share. It's from Andrew. He wrote the story ahead of time. The only criteria we gave him was that the story should be set in the Bruff universe during a time that is not inside the immediate storyline. Take it away, Andrew. Okie dokie. Um, it doesn't have a title. Mm. We're jumping in. The man awoke in a panic, the glaring sun assaulting his vision. He sat up and shielded his eyes. The warm blood swam in his head, sending the horizon spinning. Then he realized he too was spinning, or swinging, rather. He flapped both arms fruitlessly to stop the sway before spilling completely from the hammock. The loamy earth he tumbled to was cool and soft. He rolled on his back and watched the woven bed continue to bounce in the open air. What the hell? he grumbled. The man sure was surly. But was he sexy? (laughs) Yes. Yes, he was kind of sexy, now that you mention it. That is, if you think old guys are sexy. But seriously, he would probably best be described as an older guy, and those kind of guys can still be sexy, so no harm, no foul, I guess. (laughs) Unless you're an old guy, then sorry, you've been harmed and fouled, and you're old. The man steadied the swaying hammock and tried to stand when a stab of pain struck him at the center of his skull. (laughs) A terrible buzzing and visions of hands reaching out to him. 
Darkness all around and buzzing like a hundred hives of bees, the cold gray hands reaching through the dark. Then, just as suddenly, he was once again lying on his back, watching the hammock he had just fallen from. Hey, Booth! Have a look at this! A voice called somewhere beyond the roar, still shaking within his ears. He shook his head and realized the roar was swirling without his ears as well. He rolled to his stomach, pushed himself to his knees, and blinking the sun's blur away, he saw the great blue swath of the sea. "'Look at this weight, lazy waste of gravy,' a second voice growled. The two figures appeared from the fog of his still-squirming vision. The first was a small, bald man with a wide, weaselly face and wisps of a brown mustache covering his bone-thin lips. The second was a taller, uh, I'm turning pages. The second was taller with shaggy, with a shaggy red beard and large brown eyes. Both were thin and pink with the sun. They wore filthy clothes and no shoes. Been waiting all morning for you, the bald one said. Ain't we, Booth? All morning is right, Aggie, said Booth, the bearded one. Aggie regarded the man before remarking, looking sexy this morning. (laughs) For an old guy, Booth added. Uh, Yeah, for an old guy, but lucky for you, you're an older guy, which for some reason is younger than an old guy. (laughs) Yeah, I never understood that, said Booth. Well, I think it's because older refers to being older than a young guy, but an old guy, well, he's just plain old, can't get any older. Poor thing, said Booth. Poor thing is right. I don't remember, the man began. Oh, ho, memory failing you, old timer? Well, at least you still got your looks. That much we've settled, haven't we? We have settled he's still got his looks. His sexy looks. (laughs) Sexy, sexy. (laughs) Well, uh, that's all good and well, but uh, now it's time to get back to work. Come on. Aggie led ahead and Booth walked behind, and together they directed the man over a small rise in a patch of pin pines. Tall, salt-blown trees catching the wind in their needles and adding to the rushing roar of the sea's soundscape. You're on for chopping this morning, Aggie said as he handed the man a weathered axe handle. The tool seemed to have no weight at all. He studied the handle and realized it was without an actual axe head. Where's the head? The man asked as he rubbed the bladeless bit of wood. Is he serious? That was you as well, you fool. The man squinted at the handle and urged his mind to unearth any glimpses of last night, but nothing spilled forth. You busted it off and tossed it to the sea. Why? the man asked. Why? The devil knows why. It's not as though throwing it away would magically erase the work we have to do. In fact, you just made it harder on us. Harder on him, Booth interjected. On him is right, Booth. He's the one on chopping duty this morning. But I... up. You're on chopping duty fair and square, no wiggling out of it this time. But how am I supposed to chop with no axe head? the man asked. Don't fret, sunshine. Booth has got you sorted. The man turned to see the looming Booth lift a large-edged stone over his head. The man threw his hands up to protect himself and rolled backwards away from the red-bearded monster. The stone came down on a section of a fallen pine and took out a healthy wedge from its yellow bark. Aggie and Booth burst into laughter. You have to use this to get any chopping done, Booth said as he handed the man the sharpened stone. See if you can stick it to the handle, maybe, Aggie said. Oh, and cover yourself up before you go rolling in the pine needles. Your ding-dong is showing. The man looked down, and wouldn't you know, his ding-donger was showing. In fact, everything was showing because he wasn't wearing any pants. Those needles would be pure terrors to pull out of your pee hole, Aggie added as the two went chuckling away. No wonder they kept going on about me being sexy, the man said as he smiled at his ding-donger. Every man thinks his own ding-donger is sexy. He eventually fashioned... (laughs) Uh, it's true. He eventually fashioned his dirty, even though they're very wrong. He eventually fashioned his dirty white shirt sleeves into a kind of diaper. <laughs> he eventually fashioned his dirty white shirt sleeves into a kind of diaper before tearing some strips away to affix the edge stone to the axe handle. Then he set out chopping. 
He hoped the sweat of his labor would spur forth some kind of recollection of where he was working, why he was half-naked, and most important, who the hell was he? The tree slowly fell under his stony axe when suddenly he heard the buzzing again, the whole world vibrating from the throes of some horrible machine, darkness descending as the buzzing transferred to his chest, rattling his breastbone, the ashen hands reaching towards him from the dark, grasping for his face. One hand was not a hand but a paw or a mitt, and when it touched his face the buzzing ceased. He gasped for breath when the axe handle which he had been leaning upon swept out from beneath him as he tumbled to the ground once more. The visions had passed, and so had several hours. The sun had arched across the sky and began to settle in the reddening west. Aggie and Booth were walking towards him. Ready? Aggie asked. Ready for what? The man asked. Don't... Oh, this is Booth talking. Sorry. Don't be daft, Booth said as he handed the man a pine cone. <laughs> uh, Booth spat as he handed the man a pine cone. The man turned the pine cone over in his hands, then looked to the, other t- the, uh, the two others quizzically. If he don't want to go, then I'll go, Booth said as he snatched the pine cone back. The man closed his eyes in silent terror as he considered what these two wild-looking fellows who kept calling him sexy might want to do with a pine cone. Suddenly, Booth took a l- running leap and bowled the pine cone across the clearing. It bounced atop the dirt and, packed, and the packed needles and disappeared into the shade. Mock it, then, Aggie instructed. What? the man asked. Go on and mock where it landed. I have a feeling you'll be losing more than your trousers this time. You want me to find where the pine cone rolled? That's how you play roll the pine cone, isn't it? It's, a bleed- it's his bleeding game and he acts like I'm the dummy, Aggie remarked to Booth. What he lacks in brains, he makes up for in sexiness, Booth replied wistfully. <laughs> well, go on, get. Booth shooed the man away and into the shadows. He ducked below the low branches and into the shade, but the pine cone was nowhere in sight. He noticed the ground began to slope down, and so he followed its descent, the gradient dropping steeper and steeper as he slid, searching for the pine cone. He followed the hill down until the earth and loam gave way to sand and stone, all the way to the ocean's shore. There he saw it, the shining brown pine cone bobbing in the gently lapping tide. He waded barefoot into the cool salt water and retrieved the pine cone when he caught a glimpse of something shining just below the water's surface. He reached down and felt for it, heavy, hard, cold. He brought forth the axe head as it dripped wet with sand, and when he polished it with the heel of his hand, he read the engraving, Commons Steel. Common steel, he repeated to himself. Why would I throw this away? He rubbed the solid metal blade instinctually when he heard the men laughing behind him. He turned to see Aggie and Booth grinning horribly. Your memory ain't what it used to be, not since you fell from the sky. In that right, horse. To be continued. What? Horse. Very nice. Survived. I can't, can't believe it. Well I really am going to put the other half of this story on the blog <laughs> once I figure out how to use the block. I promise. All right. <laughs> and I'm going to do the second half of my Carver story, too. <laughs> yeah, baby. That's horse. It's horse's story uh, after, after he's him. thrown. Love him. Love him. I can't wait for, um, can't wait for season 16, Horse, horse Commons Commons. Steel Magnate. Um, maroon <laughs> Steel Magnate. <laughs> I love I love horse I love horse commons and it's not just because I voice him I just he's a character that started off as nothing really and he just took over my life. He's beautiful. Wrap it up. He's beautiful. <laughs> was horse commons was was he in the uh, was he in, he in the initial outline or did someone did either you or Andy? He was a throwaway who, who character name that I commons? I think when we were doing the original treatments it was just like we were just listing party guests like oh this person was there and that person was there and and uh, and I, I wrote horse horse commons an american steel magnet 
and that was that was horse. really he was just supposed to be like a walk on like That's you know good. oh there's horse <laughs> but he turned into a little more than that Thanks for joining us for Rude Alchemy Chatter and Lore. Bruff Tax Wind Sky Sailor returns for the final episode in just one week on Sunday, May 31st. Don't forget, there's still time to submit your artwork to become the official cover art of the season finale. Please be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And please ask us some questions using those platforms. We'd love to hear from you. And there's a very good chance we'll answer your question on Chatter and Lore. Uh, and as always, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks again. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye now. So long. Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Werdner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. This episode's story written by Mr. Kane. Episode edited by Mr. Kane. Intro and outro music by Old Town Wake. All other music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Robb. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. It's October, and you know what that means, don't you? It's my favorite holiday of the year. I just go batty during this season. Go to any store, and what do you see? Decorations and treats everywhere. It's finally time for Christmas! And you are invited to Big Bubba's pre-Halloween Christmas sale, where you'll find frightfully good bargains on everything you need to jump the gun on this marvelous season. Why, here comes Santa Claus. Where are you going, Santa? I am going to Big Bubba's to get chestnuts and candy corn to put in the trick-or-treat bags the kids are going to hang on the fireplace. <laughs> yes, you too can confuse the kiddies by jumping on the Christmas bandwagon in October. Ho, ho, ho! On Dasher, on Donner, on Igor and Boris... Oh, and don't forget to get your jack-o'-lantern to put on top of your tree! Big Mother's pre-Halloween Christmas sale. Don't waste time. According to Madison Avenue, you're already late in starting your Christmas shopping. And Big Bubba's shopping for the season of peace on Earth is always a scream! <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Big Bubba's is the place for you. Scary masks, tinsel to say peace on Earth, and then say boo at Big Bubba's. Happy holidays from the Mutual Audio Network.